everyone. Welcome to the She's a 10 Times 5 show. I'm Lori, and my friends Lisa, Michelle, Randy, and Marcia are mixing it up and joining me to do what girlfriends do best, chat from the heart. Whether it's celebrity stories or serious topics, we're talking about it and coming in hot. Join us as we bring you the aha moments of learning, reflection, inspiration, and of course, a whole heck of a lot of fun. Let's go. This episode is brought to you by Dr. Amir Karam, board certified facial plastic surgeon and founder and creator of the Karam MD Skin Trifecta. It's a three step, all in one anti aging routine that helps you defy aging in a very simple way. All right, folks, enjoy the podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to She's a 10 Times 5. I'm Lori and I have my co-host and pal Michelle here. Hi Michelle. Hello. We're rocking the pink squares today. You know what? I'm I'm here for it. I'm here for it too. We look hot. We do. And we are jamming this month with a great theme of 80s and 80s icons. We've got three amazing women. And today, I'm going to let you tear up because you know her better than most. We have the adorable and iconic Josie Bassett. So adorable. Oh, I love Josie. Yeah. Actress, model, author, mom, of course. Josie's wonderful. And she was our inaugural issue cover of Ask Us Beauty magazine. And I fell in love with her. I was obsessed with her back when, during the Melrose days. And of course I told her that. Um, but she's just such a good human. And I had a chance to get to know her. What I love is that she is open to kind of talking about everything. And one thing that we want to talk about today is she's recently been on this personal journey and attended what's called the Hoffman process. Have you heard of it? I have not, but I'm excited to to learn more because I think these retreats and these meditative experiences are the thing right now. Yeah, me too. And I'm I'm fascinated. I'm fascinated by anybody that can go a week without their cell phone because <laughs> my family thinks that mine is attached to my left hand. It is, Michelle. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm so ashamed. Yeah, no, we all are. It's it's our, you know, shameful thing. I am super hyped because I was an extraordinary, an extraordinary. <laughs> uh, I was going to say something inappropriate. Lori, get it together. Get um, it together. I was a super fan of Melrose and I, you know, who didn't want her haircut? So I'm so excited for this interview and let's take it away. And first we have Randy that's going to tee us off with her hard no hard yes. Let's go. Hi, I'm Randy Crawford and I'm a life coach. And I have learned so much on this journey. My philosophy is very simple. When we know better, we do better. No judgment. One more thing though, with me, there's usually a hard yes or a hard no. So today you're going to hear an amazing show with Josie Bissett. Everybody loves her. She's fun. She's flirty. She's adorable, but she's going to pivot and talk about spirituality. So I want to break that down for you guys and how I really think it can work for you and your family. Okay, I believe the simplest way to describe spirituality is to be present. And what do I mean by that? A lot of us live our life on autopilot, meaning we just go through life. And you know how when you go to carpool and you go to pick up your kids and you have no memory of how you just drove there? You got from point A to point B and you don't remember a single thing. That's autopilot. 
Let's take the life of your children. Let's say they're really good at academics or sports or something. We over-index on that. And then we go through life and days turns into weeks, turns into years. And we just keep going. We're on this autopilot mode. And we listen and we take in all these distractions. I'm talking about taking a pause and being present. So what is the best tool I have found to do that? It's meditation. Again, I don't want you to think about it in terms of its oohs and its ahs. Meditation can be as simple as taking five minutes to yourself. You can think about it with a cup of tea outside, deep breathing, or you can get guided meditation apps, which I highly recommend. They're amazing. They help you organize your thoughts, slow down, and check in. So I'm coming in with a hard, hard yes on spirituality and a hard no on living your life on autopilot. Okay, everyone, now it's time for our show. Okay, welcome, Josie Bassett. Hello, ladies. Good to see you both. Good to see you, too. So, Michelle, we introduced this, and you have a relationship with Josie. Why don't you tee up where she got started and why she's so near and dear to our heart? Oh, my goodness. Well, I could start from the beginning. (laughs) Josie was... The cover, weren't you? You were the inaugural issue of Ask Us Beauty. And I I was so enamored. I was so excited to interview her. And do you remember me showing you the picture of me with the pixie haircut? Because I thought I was Josie, a.k.a. Jane Mancini from Melrose Place. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, you've had such an iconic career and you've been a staple in our lives. I mean, when we go back to those early years when those shows were big. And what I I guess my question to you, because I've had a chance to ask you some questions, but I want to know what was that like? I mean, during that time being on a a major show, I mean, that was, that was such a hit show. You guys were, you guys were everywhere. Um, You were on the cover of every man. You were on the cover of Rolling Stone. Oh my gosh. Yes. That was the highlight of, of my career was being on the cover of Rolling Stone. It was pretty awesome. Yeah. It was fantastic. I mean, I, was 21 years old. I had gotten married at 21 as well. Um, gotten married on this Friday in Seattle and I had gotten Melrose Place. Obviously didn't know I was going to be getting it when I planned a wedding and flew out. And I was in the first scene with Thomas Calabro, who played Michael, the first day of filming. And none of us, I mean, obviously have no idea. And in the show, the very, the first season, you know, we had our bumps there's a couple of different cast members that didn't continue on. And then we brought on Heather Locklear and there was, there was an episode that was sort of a little, little bit more of like a dramedy. So a little bit dark and like, Oh God, that would never happen, but it caught on and people loved that. And that's sort of where I think the show took off. So it was such a blessing, right? Because this business is, you don't know, it's a little bit of luck it's a lot of timing, it's perseverance. So it was just a great group of people and a show that worked back then in the nineties when um, there was no streaming, you had to get together. You got to get together, I should say, like people loved getting together. I miss that. I know it was such different times. And, and you, I mean, taking it back, you started your career at 12 years old and then, you know, you're right in front of the camera. So you're, you've lived your life. You've lived your entire life in front of the camera. I have. I did. I started out modeling, and initially, I wanted to be a fashion designer. 
um, which I just find so ironic because Jane Mancini on Melrose was a fashion designer. So I kind of got to live a little bit of that passion out um, in my role as, as Jane. That was, that was a lot of fun. And it was good. I think that modeling was really helpful as far as being an actress, because, you know, a lot of times when we actors have to be in front of the camera for photo shoots and a lot of actors are not comfortable with that. And I, I was always glad that I had that training because I know how to work the camera just because that's what I started doing. Yeah. And you look, I, I mean, we're sitting here, I'm staring at you and I'm like, you swear to God, you have not aged. Like you look, look just as good as you, I mean, Lori, am I, am I right here? What's going on? Yeah. We, we sort of want to hate you, Josie, but we can't because you're, you're adorable. I want to, I want to mention one thing you said, because I think our audience, it'll really resonate with them is people getting together to watch a show. And in fact, one of our co-hosts was, was talking about, you know, knowing that we were going to interview and she's like, I remember I would go to a bar with Mm -hmm. my girlfriends and I would do Jägermeister shots and watch Melrose place. And I think that was such a beautiful time where we had these shows that really hit to the heart and brought us together as a community of watchers and gossipers. What is it like now that you don't have that? Like now everything is on demand and streaming and whatnot. Yeah. Well, you know, everybody who's listening and watching this knows what's that, what that's like. You know, we really gotten far away from gatherings um, socially. It's because everything is immediate at our fingertips and we can binge shows and watch the whole season instead of, an, instead of having to be patient and wait and get together and experience it together as, as a group, you know, there's good and bad and everything like the technology and all this, look at us here, you know, we're all from home now and that's pretty cool. Like we got a lot, we have so much more power as well as creators, you know, with social media before it was, I mean, to reach me, you'd have to reach my agent. And then maybe my agent was too busy that day and maybe didn't get the message. And now creators really can have so much power over their own career. It's it's pretty amazing. But it's also, you know, as you guys both know, can feel like a full-time job. So because there's so much out there that you can grab and so much creativity and so many opportunities. Um, We only have so much time in a day. Yeah. It was interesting. So we interviewed as part of this month's theme of nostalgia and celebrating an iconic decade, which happens to be the 80s. And I know Melrose was in the 90s, but you're still part of that whole movement of women coming from the 80s. Is Kim Alexis, who was a supermodel back in the day, one of the first kind of to coin that term. And it was interesting because we asked her, "Did what was it like? When did you know you arrived? And did you get caught up in it? And her answer was emphatically no, because she would do a magazine shoot and the magazine cover wouldn't come out for three months. So it was just like work, 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 work. So as an actress coming from the time where shows were community driven and now you have instantaneous things that show up on Google or on Instagram, mm-hmm. how has that changed things for you? What do you mean exactly? Like it comparing the two or? Well, everything was a little bit more, you, you can kind of had more control creatively. You had more control of your image. You didn't have True. all these different platforms or whatnot. And, you know, Michelle brought up, you know, aging and stuff. You, you're kind of doing everything now in front of all these different platforms. Is that a very different experience for you as someone who's still in the business after all of these years? Yeah, it it is. It is. Um, um, once again, it's a blessing and a curse, right? Like, yes, we are in the spotlight a lot more 
a lot of it is our own doing, right? And of course, there's filters, there's this, there's that. We we have, I feel like, more more control over what we put out. Back when I was doing Melrose, it's good and bad. Like we didn't have social media, we didn't have cell phones, right? And I think that you're really present when you don't. I mean, our minds are always going to be keeping us out of the present, but um, but when we have our phones, oh my God, it's just like. Uh, you know, you're always looking for opportunities to share something if you're a creator, right? And so, you know, and even just the following, right? So since Melrose was not on social media during the 90s, you know, if I was on a show like that right now, you gain all of those followers, right? And that all turns into business. It's lucrative. So there's that. That's that's a bummer too, but I wouldn't change it. Like it really made a, it for me, it just helped me really stay grounded really just work. Like I never really realized like, oh my God, I made it. Or, oh, Miller, this huge show. I knew it was like mostly when I would go to events. Like I remember we went to this hard rock rock cafe event in Vegas and it was like a madhouse. I mean, it was just paparazzi everywhere. And I forgot about it just till recently. I was looking through some old videos and I was like, almost didn't feel like that was me. It's the strangest thing. Uh, even when I watch some old Melrose um, footage, I don't remember being there. Do you guys ever have that? <laughs> like, yeah, I don't remember I being there. It's so strange, right? There's I, so much happening so fast. I was curious, Josie, like, what about now? I mean, I've never, I don't think we've ever talked about this, but everybody knows who you are. I mean, if you're our, in our age, everybody knows who you are. Do you still, whenever you go somewhere, do people comment? Like, is it a constant you're out to dinner and they're like, oh my gosh, can I get your picture? Like, do you have people in your face all the time? No, people don't really do that. I feel like people are so, so respectful. I mean, I'm a creature of habit. So I go to the same places, you know, I love knowing like the person I get my mail from the person I go to dinner, like, you know, now I'm out in the mountains too. So there's a few super cool restaurants that are my go-to places. And other than that, man, I was just raising kids, you know? Yeah. And working and and doing that. And so just busy, busy, not not really aware if people were doing that or not. If they came up to me, I'm absolutely happy to to give them a photo. But I was never, oh yeah, they're looking at me or they're talking about me. I was just focused on my kids or whatever I had going on. Yeah. Well, you weren't focused on that, but I guarantee they were. They were sitting at the table going, Oh my gosh, that's Josie Bassett. Because that's what um I would be doing. I have a I do have a question. Again, another one I've never asked you, but was there any crossover? Like obviously everybody people were like dating each other. Melrose Place was huge and 90210 was huge. Like, did anybody cross over and date like the Jason Priestley or Luke Perry or any any of that go on? No. Did you guys, did you guys see each other like on the, on the sets or was it just completely separate? Completely separate. Yeah. You're right. Because Melrose kind of spun off, right? Yeah. Right. It was a, yeah. That's a spinoff, I suppose. I forgot about that, but mm-hmm. very different. Like, don't forget we were a bit older too. Yeah. So yeah we you guys were the, yes, it was a different, but everybody yeah. watched both. I mean, I, when we talk about those memories, we were all in the college dorm room. And we would, I mean, both shows were equally as important. You know? So much fun. I wish there was video. I wish there was some video. I do too. Watching it together in, in sororities or whatever. That would just yes. be. So we didn't, we did not go out until we watched the show. So Lori, your friend was an early bird. I don't know. She was, or she was, she was going out at the bar. We were watching it before the bar. We were, <laughs> we were 
Yeah. Thanks for aging me, Michelle. Yeah, well, you are a little bit older. Just kidding. Uh, you know, we talked about cell phones, which brings up this topic that we wanted to, to talk about today is, you know, we're so, we're all addicted to our phones and you just recently did something where you totally disconnected. And I want to hear about this, the Hoffman process. What, what is this for the listeners and for us, anyone watching, tell us about it. Yes. So it's called the Hoffman process. It's at a place called the Hoffman Institute in uh, Northern California, Santa Rosa area. And yeah, you disconnect, you don't have any technology at all. Um, you are working basically on yourself. So it's a, it's a spiritual retreat in a sense um, for eight days, seven days um, from morning, 730 in the morning to 930 at night, going, 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 peeling off that onion, those layers of just like what keep us, what holds, what's our, what our fears are, what's holding us back from being the best person that we can be. What are our patterns? That's the biggest thing. What are the patterns that we have developed? Um, and they all come from your childhood um, that carry on in your life now that aren't serving you well and um, really breaking those down, going through it's It's a very thought out process, uh, very difficult to explain. If anyone's watching this or knows about it, has been to it, they know exactly what I'm talking about. It's intense, um, not scary, but it it is intense and, and you have to be ready. And people who go are ready because that's what they're there for, to make some changes that they have not been able to make, right? And yeah, and so kind of throughout it, you look at the patterns, you you learn how to, I guess I, I should say, accept them, understand them, accept where they came from, parents, grandparents, whatnot, surrogates, forgive them, and then forgive yourself for things that you have done wrong. And um, we, we're so shameful, like we, we are so hard on ourselves people and especially as women, you know, didn't do this good enough or this good enough or fucked up my kids or this or this. It's just like, God, you learn self-compassion. That's one of the biggest things that I left with. And I had my post-process session with my coach and I was kind of like, God, I'm going back into my shit. Like, damn it. I do these things and I I think I'm going to change and then I'm back to my old self or whatever, you know, and I'm not right. And he, he reminded me just God, don't be so hard on yourself. You look at all these great things you're doing. And so in the end, it, it just reminded me just there's so much, there's only so much time in the day and there's so much I want to do and live and experience. I think I just get it my own way. I think we all do. And and then what's beautiful about it in the end, after you've peeled and cried and, and gone through all of this stuff you really create a vision for your life. You know, what do I want my life to look like? Um, because we can have it. Like we can create anything we want. We really can. It's about, it's believing that and it's loving ourselves. That's yeah. the most important thing. And that was it. I mean, it was phenomenal. And wow, that sounds that, amazing. Yeah. yeah. And then after you have two days of uh, silence alone, right? Self-reflection. I was like, oh man, am I going to want that glass of wine at night? Because you know, I'm in this habit where I'll have a glass of wine at night, da, da, da. And I really wanted to break that. Like, why do I need to have a glass of wine every night? You know, I do sometimes and I don't sometimes now, right? It's like nothing has to be 100% one way or another. So yeah, it was it was uh, pretty phenomenal. And, a, and it's a group process too. And that's, that's one thing that I have never done before. Um, people don't realize, you know, not, I know if as an actor, I am in front of all these people acting like the crew, like a hundred people watching or whatever, but I'm a character 
And I have these lines that I've memorized and there's a person I'm talking to and I'm focused on that and I focus on nothing else, but making sure I know my lines, what is my character going through, which is so different than standing up in front of people and talking and being yourself. And that just makes, makes me sweat. Like I'm not comfortable doing that at all. And there was, there was, there was some of that, quite a bit of that actually. So that was, that was good for me to break through some of that. And um, uh, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, group becomes everything. That's the most, because you are exposing yourself so much and so vulnerable. So the group, even to this day, like there's about 40 and we're on WhatsApp and everybody's, everyone supports each other throughout the day, every day. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Well, I think this is a really great message to women because I think one, just from all the women we talk to through the podcast and the relationships we make and, you know, Michelle makes through her magazine is I, I think this retreat and this inner reflection process is become a real big thing and more and more accepted. I think we used to have a lot of preconceived notions about retreats and like, is it like Burning Man or are my microdosing? What am I doing on these things? But but they're becoming more and more accepted. And what's really great, you said something that is so powerful that I have talked over and over with other women is letting go of shame. Is I think that is a huge anchor to a lot of us because we are human. We make mistakes. I think we are the fix it sex, right? Whether it's through with our kids or our partner and through that process, I think when we do screw up or, you know, shit the bed on certain occasions, we, yeah. we feel ashamed and hold that responsibility. And I think when you do these types of things, letting that go is so empowering. It is, you know, really being kinder to ourselves and thinking about sometimes I'll think like, you know, you know, the whole phrase inner child, mm-hmm. like if you really break that down, when you really think about sometimes how we treat ourselves and talk to ourselves, like, can you imagine talking to like when you were a little girl, like treating yourself that way, or even your own daughter, right? Never, never. Like we are, we just, yeah, we really are just, just so hard on ourselves. And it's silly. Like we're just here for like a little bit of time, right? And life is short and why not celebrate ourselves and our mistakes and, and share them? Like you're right. We, I feel like one thing I also learned is when you share something that you never shared before, you're, you feel ashamed about, it kind of goes away. And then people go, Oh my God, I did that. That happened to me too. And I hate it when I do that, or I can't quit that. Or, and then you feel like, fuck, I'm not alone. Right. I'm not the only one, but if you hold it in and you pretend like you got all your shit together, which none of us do, then you walk around feeling like you, you know, you have to be fake, almost fake. You should be. Instead of just letting it just be real, right? And if we could, especially women, just be real. Yes. It would be amazing. Yeah. Support each other. I I love everything you said about that. And I think it sounds like such an amazing process. Again, the vulnerability, but also what you walked away with. Those, like you said, those relationships. I mean, we we all are so hungry for community. And I think, you know, it sounds, it sounds amazing. Yeah. Let's go ladies. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. About that, just as far as community and that's back at going back to Melrose, there was more community, right? Because we couldn't call someone at the drop of a hat. We'd have to get together. I love that about your, the magazine, Michelle, there's building a sense of community with, with women supporting women and sharing the, you know, the women in the different um, towns 
I love that little, the, that segment that you do. And Small Town Big Heart. We always take a plug. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. It's yeah. so special. You know, I, I want to ask you this. And Michelle, you're not there yet, but learn from us, young Jedi. Okay. okay. <laughs> Josie, you have adult kids. And we talked offline about having these new college age kids. And one of the things that I think I have found is when I am able to accept my flaws because all of a sudden your, your kids get to that age where they start to pick up on like, wow, you know, mom's been drinking a lot lately or wow, mom's losing her temper a lot more lately. And they start to kind of adult you. And I think it's a really powerful thing when you start to accept your flaws and you're able to own your shit. And especially Mm -hmm. with your kids, it's, I think it creates much healthier relationships with your adult children. Would you agree with that? I would agree so much and I'm working on it still. Like it's when I got divorced, kids were like two and five or something like that. And I wanted to do everything I could to protect them from feeling that pain. Right. And so I would do too much, you know, as they got older and it was just the three of us and my son could have taken out the garbage. Right. Let's say he's seven, like help mommy take out the garbage. Like I would do everything. And so that they could just do whatever that, you know, you know, and I just, that's not okay. They had that reality is now we, it's the three of us. That's the reality. And I'm going to need your help guys, because mom can't do everything by herself. That's, I think where women try to do everything by themselves and really important to learn to set boundaries. And, and that if that, if I could change one thing, I would change that of really getting my kids to understand like that we're a team together. It's not one person doesn't do it all. And that's even in, even in an intact family that if the man's not like doing the dishes or cooking, yeah. I'm not, you know, like there has to be teamwork. I feel like the more, um, going back to what you said, we're, we're, we're their role models, our children, they are going to learn from us. And so if I don't have boundaries and I don't take care of myself, self-care, they're not going to do that. Yeah. Right. Or they're so, going to marry someone that doesn't respect that need. Right. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. One of the things I worked on a lot at the Hoffman process was um, being able to handle conflict. So I am a Libra. So I I want things in balance. If things don't feel, if there's like something wrong, uh, I can tell some, I'm very sensitive to energy. So if someone might be mad at me, I might know how it doesn't feel good. They're mad at me. I wonder why. And I mean, it's not like, I don't get too worked up about it. I know it's their stuff. But instead of just saying, hey, Michelle, um, I just, it could just be me, but I sense like maybe you're pissed at me for something. Are you, or is it just me? And you could be like, yeah, when you said this, whatever, like how cool would it be if we could just like all say and talk about stuff. And I, I'm working on that just with my, in my marriage now. And even with my kids, like, instead of, fuck, they didn't take out the, they took out the wash and it was wet and they put it on top. Now it's moldy. Fuck, right. And yeah. just getting mad and then letting that build up, mm-hmm. right? Build, build, build. And then blah. And then it's like, oh, mom's a freak. But it's like, cause I didn't hold it. Cause I held it in. Yeah. We call, that, we call that raging in our family. Like, they'll be like, mom's raging. Mom's raging. <laughs> oh God. I don't want that, Michelle. Not me. It's my sister. Sorry, okay. Mom. Okay. <laughs> so uh, Josie, I've been on this. I've called it my honesty crusade. And it's been about two and a half years because COVID was, I felt like a caged tiger. 
And everyone was noticing mom's losing it or God, she's unhinged again. And so what I started to do, I said, you know, I, I need to be more honest in my relationships. If something is bothering me and if it's someone I care about, I'm going to confront my feelings and not apologize for my feelings, but I'm going to be honest about them because I want to build on a healthy relationship because I kept seeing that when I wasn't doing that, my behaviors would become passive aggressive. If I wasn't telling my oldest boy, Connor, you know, the fact that you leave a pile of laundry at the bottom of the stairs every morning is really bothering me. I started to become, there was that tension. And so I think that's kind of what you're saying, right? Is that in conflict is, is really being honest about how you feel about a situation. Absolutely. Yeah. It, and, and being okay with that person, maybe not agreeing with you or getting defensive. Right. So like in my marriage, for example, if we have a conflict and I know, okay, well, he's getting on a plane tomorrow. I might not, I'm not going to see him for a couple of weeks. I don't want to deal with this. Right. If I keep doing that over and over and over, it's not good. Yeah. Even if it's small, it just starts to build up and then it turns into something just not healthy. Right. So that's your, that's exactly what I'm working on is what you just said is just being able to just say, Hey, this, this is how I feel. And then it's learning to not react to their response. Mm-hmm. If they get defensive or passive aggressive, staying true to like what it is that you wanted to say and feel. And, and sometimes it just takes like if that's something I'm working on before I go have a conversation, I have to remind myself, all right, it's possible. Like he might roll his eyes at me or she might whatever, say something back and just be prepared and just stay loving, stay in a loving space of listening and then repeating back, you know, what I needed to say. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Michelle, I don't know how you feel about this. You, you interview women, our podcast interviews women. Don't you think it's past time where we stop friggin' apologizing for the way we feel? Yeah, 100%. I mean, we have to be honest. And communication is the number one thing that, you know, uh, that people break down in relationships. So if we can just, if we feel it, say it. And it's just, it's an easy concept. It sounds super simple, but we don't do it enough. Mm-hmm. You know, we have to, we have to get it out. I, we've all done it where we've held those feelings in. So I, I completely relate to what you're saying, Josie, and I applaud you for just being open and transparent about it because you can help so many other people that are listening to say, you know what? I understand. I relate to that as well. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, Josie, let's talk about what is next projects. So I got lots of them, but my main one right now is I said to myself after my kids are in college, so, okay. So after Melrose, Mason was born on the last season of Melrose. Then I wrote my couple children's books. And then I did five years on a show. It was called the secret life of the American teenager that was on ABC family. And it was an amazing gig because I lived in Seattle at that time. And cause I wanted to raise them here. And the, they, they hired me as a season regular, but if I chose that, I, I would have to live there in that. I didn't, I wanted to raise my kids in Seattle. So I said, like, can I be a, a recurring character? I got paid less, but I got to control my schedule. And so they would fly me in every other week. And this was when Rob did live here, their their dad. And when they were with him, I would fly and I would get in a hotel, go into a hotel, which was my favorite place to be. I love hotels and work. And it was just awesome. And then I'd get home and I could 100% be their mom 
and not worry that, oh my God, am I getting what job's next? Cause I had one. So I did that for five years. And then that now they're, you know, teenagers and stuff at this point, really like I needed to be there. And so finding something like that was, was, I was lucky. And so then I did some more books and I had always said when they're in college, I'm going to get back on a, a series regular on a show. And I'd love to do something with an ensemble cast. So yeah, I'm ready to put myself out there again and to, to work, to really, really work. And then I've got my children's book and, I, and I'm writing another children's book series right now, which I absolutely love doing. Well, let's give your the book some plugs, right? Yeah, I, have it. I actually have it with me because I am going to do a little post on it today, but this is it right here. It's called Tickle Monster Laughter Kit. And I wrote this, um, Mason was two and I was tickling him. Initially, the character was the mom and she pulls off this mask and because she she, you know, so I ran in my room. And I was like, oh my God, this is the best idea because it's interactive. He loved it. And it took, cause I was, had so much going on. It took like probably five years before it eventually came out, but has these furry little mitts. So cute. Look, what's cool about it. It's a whole gift set. Oh, that's rad. Right. So and so the parent or grandparent teacher, whoever's doing it puts these on. And tickles them. They just and they just absolutely love it. And you, you know, you end up running around the house. You end up. A lot of people are like, "Oh my god, it's like you know bedtime." And they, it's their favorite book, and it gets them amped up. But it gets all their energy out. Right? There's the book. And I just realized what happened when I was reading to Mason every night. I was thinking about literally, like in my mind, what was my to do list, what I had to do when he put him to bed, when he went to sleep, what to do the next day. I was like, holy shit, I don't even know what I just read to him, right? And of course it was like, is your mama a llama? <laughs> <laughs> I'm yes, she not. is. <laughs> I just love the idea of, of reading and having the parent have to be present, right? Because if you're if you're doing an action with your child, you have to be present. And kids feel it and they love it. Yeah, so that is that. And that is... Um, one of my, uh, I'm just so proud of it. Like people don't know, even know I wrote it. Right. In fact, at the Hoffman process, this was another amazing thing about it. You can't talk about what you do for a living. So the whole time you're there, you don't know what anybody does. And it was fascinating. You don't like, they could be a doctor. They could be a photographer. They could be a, a stay-at-home mom, you know, had no clue. And you, you won't realize how all of those judgments go away. So you're just looking at that person and their spirit and their soul and who they are. It was fantastic. And at the end, the last day, you go up and you say what you do for a living. So of course, I'm like, you know, I'm an actress. Or if you know, a few people were like, I knew it, I, you were recognizable or whatever. But then I said, I wrote a children's book, Tickle Monster. And like a couple people were like, no way. I buy that every year. I've bought like 20 of them. You didn't know you wrote that. And I just like, I just, that makes me just so happy. It's just because it's something that I thought about and that I made happen, right? It's not like I got hired to do it. Not It's not how I look. It was something that came from my heart and created it. So I love yes. that. I want to do more of that kind of stuff. Well, kudos to both of you because you're both authors. And I think that's on my bucket list. I've been asked. <laughs> Michelle knows. I talk to her about it all the time. But you're leaving a legacy for your kids, too. It's more than just impacting. I mean, like, this is something that they're going to, you know, read at one point. Right, Michelle? Or And in your case, Josie, they'll probably use it with their kids. And how awesome is that? 
Very, very cool. Yeah. Yes. And I, Josie knows this story. I, when I wrote my book, my daughter was eight at the time and she was with me the entire process. And when I got done, she said, mom, can I write a book? And I said, absolutely. So we spent the next three months and she put out her first children's book and sweet Josie bought it and did like a little video with it in the back. And so, so thoughtful, but it was being an example and it is leaving that legacy. So. And how cool is it that she was, I want to write one and you helped her do that. Like she, you know, that's what I mean. Like we can create and do anything. Yes, we can ladies. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You ready to have a little fun? Yes. Okay. Before we do that, let's tell Mm -hmm. everyone where to find you and tickle monster and wherever else they can get a little piece of Josie Bissette. Yes. So right now I am, I am definitely working on my social media. I'm trying to get that. Like I said, it's a full-time job. So I'm trying to find some help, figure that out. So I'm focusing on Instagram for a while. I was like, should I do Twitter? I was trying to do them all Instagram. um, So that's just at Josie Bissette, everything, all of my social media is just my name. Okay. And then Circle Monster also has an inst- a new Instagram page, but everybody buys it at Amazon. It's kind of the place to go. If you have smaller chain bookstores or in your town, which God, I miss bookstores so much. It is in a lot of bookstores, like for, for like specialty gift stores, but Amazon is, you know, they always have it. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Yeah. And it's beset with two T's in case. Uh, right. Yes. Okay. I'm going to play a couple calls. We had, we have a thing called Studio 50 Hotline. Yeah, where all, all the old ladies can call in and ask questions. So you got two that we picked out, and okay. one is a question. I'm going to tee it up here and let me know if you can hear it clearly. Okay, great question. <laughs> It's a good question. It is a super common question. People are always curious. First, were we really friends? Did we fight on set? Are we still friends now? And who? Uh, We had a reunion, maybe, I guess it was before COVID. So three, four years ago, Um, got to see pretty much everybody. Heather wasn't there. I am probably, well, uh, not probably, I'm closest with Jack Wagner because we do a series of movies together on Hallmark called The Wedding March. Uh, We've done six together. And I talked mostly a little bit on social media, Laura Layton, who played Sydney, my sister, and Daphne. Um, I absolutely adore everybody. I Everybody's incredible. And we we don't stay in touch. We don't really get together. If I was to go to LA, yes, I would call and get together with them. But I would say Jack, as far as who's my favorite, just because we just love working together and have so much fun together. And it's been super fun getting to know him because... When I was on Melrose Place, I think only out of seven years had maybe two or three scenes with him. Our characters never crossed paths. Yeah. He's still hot. Mm. He's so cool. Yeah, he's a good guy. Okay. This next one is absolutely amazing. And I hope someday, Michelle, you and I get a call in like this. But it speaks Mm. volumes to who you are, Josie. So this is a blast from your past. Hi there, this is Tracy. I live in Solana Beach, and this message is for your upcoming show with Josie. Uh, Josie, I don't know if you remember me, but um, my name is Tracy, and I went to Mercer Island High School, and I met you when your boyfriend, your high school boyfriend, transferred to Mercer Island to play basketball. Um, Even back then, in the fashion tragedy era of the late 
1980s, you always looked so glamorous and stylish, and we were all in awe of you. Uh, I remember one time you spent the night at my house, and I think we went to a party or whatever. Anyway, in the morning, you were like, before I would even like gotten out of bed, you were up and dressed and had made your bed. Mm-hmm. And um, my point being is that even back in high school, you had like drive and ambition that wasn't your normal sort of teenage behavior. So I wasn't surprised at all when you kind of conquered the acting and modeling world and became, um, you know, a success. So anyway, it's been fun watching your career and um, just hope you're doing well and wish you all the best. All right. Take care. Bye. Oh, my gosh. How awesome is that? That is so nice. I mean, you know, it's just so funny when you hear something like that, because back then, you know, I came from a small little town and this girl, I know exactly who she is. Thank you. If she ever sees this, um, Mercer Island is a beautiful, uh, wealthier area. Right. And this boyfriend that she's referring to, I dated from when I was 12 years old, also seventh, eighth, ninth, 10th, 11, all the way till I moved to LA. We were together for a year and in, into, in, into my, my time in LA. And then we just naturally broke up, but, um, it was devastating when he moved out of like our small town and our high school to this other. And I was so, you know, I was just a kid and oh my God, and these pretty girls, and they seem so much better and had more money and blah, blah, blah. So it's so interesting to hear her say that. My mom did always teach me like, make sure you make your bed when you're at someone's house. <laughs> that's pretty impressive. Yeah. So, oh gosh, that's so sweet. That's so kind. Yes. That's- yes. So Tracy from Solana Beach. I'm, I, you know, That's right near where I live. So I might have to hunt her down because she seems like a lovely, lovely woman. Okay. We always like to end on a little bit of unexpectedness, which I know you don't particularly like, but there's one, <laughs> qu- there's one question I'm going to ask you. And I oh, asked no. Michelle this one. Oh and- no. I just want to see your reaction. This is a very, very profound, thought-provoking question. And since you've been through the Hoffman process, you're going to hit the cover off this right over the fence. This is the question. Is it fair or reasonable for a cemetery to raise their rates based on the cost of living? (laughs) Do you get it? Interesting. Do you get it? Cost of living. Cost of living. So weird, Josie. What you're asking me made me think about something that I've been thinking about. Uh huh. Straight away, and then it made me go, "Oh my God, maybe it's meant to be." So I have been researching composting Uh for a body, because like, why would we want to be buried first of all in a box and pay for that? Second of all. I always put cre- cremation because I don't want to be burning a buck, but that has never felt good to me to be cremated. And all of a sudden this compost and it's legal where I'm at. So you, that just spun me into that. So, um, but I don't know the inflation. Or, is yeah. it a joke? It's a joke because no one can answer it. They're like, wait, what? So and it was so far. Away. I just didn't know what she was talking about. I'm like, I don't know what this means. Yeah. But- yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you, you so, so much for being with us today, Josie. Thank you. It's yeah. so fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and one thing, too. One of our sponsors for your episode is Luxury Pickleball. Did you get your racket? I'm so excited. I know you play pickleball. 
Yes. And I had a pickleball court growing up in my yard that my dad did built himself. And uh, I have been wanting to get back into it because it's kind of becoming a big thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I am stoked on this. Are you seeking luxurious pickleball products, services, and amenities that fit your discerning taste? Elevate your game on and off the court with Luxury Pickleball as your source for curated luxury vacations, high-quality designer apparel, bags, products, and coaching with top 10 pros. Luxury Pickleball offers exhilarating high-end vacation experiences and beautiful destinations with exquisite amenities and activities. Aside from our custom-designed pickleball paddles, we also carry brands like Prada, Yola, Phoenix Portier, Smart Wolf, Hedge, and many more. Our world-class pros can provide individual or group training at your chosen location. Imagine having a top 10 pro join you and your friends at your next luxury vacation. Luxury Pickleball. Quality on and off the court. Let's go. It is so light. It is light. It's honeycomb. That's why. It's specially designed to help prevent tennis elbow, which, you know, I've actually suffered through a little bit. Game on, sister. Okay, we're going. It's on. Michelle, we got to get you pickling. We, All right, we, I'll start pickling. We'll pickle and then Josie can tickle. <laughs> right? Yes. And we're out. And we're out. All right, thank you, listeners. Thank you, everybody. Adios. All right, listeners, it's time to bring on our kindness ambassador, Marcia from Inspire Always, with a kindness takeaway. This week, we're going to go buy someone a coffee. It's that simple. That simple act of buying someone a drink to make their day, give them a bit of a caffeine burst, will be awesome. Follow us on Instagram at she's a 10 times five. You can click on the link in our bio to listen to all of our previous episodes, as well as check out our live video interviews over our YouTube channel. You can also find us on Apple, Spotify, iHeart, pretty much wherever else you decide to listen to your favorite podcast. Don't forget to hit subscribe.